again, welcome to the Venue Podcast for March 18th, 2021. This is podcast number 68. I'm your host, William Sellers. And I'm Eric Malatesta. And I'm Michael Faisley. And today we have uh, some special guests, some, some, re- some returning guests and also a special guest. Today we have uh, Noah Boudreaux, General Man- Manager of Venue with us. Thank you, Will. And Glad we to have, you again. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for coming. And we have Brian Ormsby, who's our um, Sales Manager, Sales Director at Venue. What is up, Will? And we have a special guest, Brandon Pecorello, who is the That's General him. Manager of, um, of a data center called DataBank. And he is actually why we're here today. We are going to talk about the venue partnership with databank so we're we're happy to have you here brandon thank you for coming in for the podcast and we'd like to somewhat new right somewhat new partnership yeah yeah i think we've known each other actually for a very long time i think the partnership was just recently formulated uh formulated uh, probably officially two years ago is that right noah little less than that but we've been yeah we've been working together for a long time uh so it feels like a natural fit we're gonna finally start really partnering together right yeah that's right absolutely thanks for having me yeah absolutely so brandon let's let's dive in uh to today's topic where uh, we talk about our partnership some of the details some of the things we see in the data center so uh, Brandon, tell us a little bit about yourself, um, your background with with with, uh, with DataBank, and, and let us know who you are. Yeah, sure. Um, my personal background is, uh, I guess, um, starting way way back. Right, uh, I was born into the tech space. Um, luckily, um, uh, my father was actually in tech and telecom. Uh, and still is to this day. Uh, he just doesn't want to retire, won't do it. Um, but we always had technology around the house. We always had, uh, you know, the old IBM computers, uh, disk drives, floppies. Uh, he had the first car phone. And so, um, you know, I was always tinker around, tinkering around with technology and kind of following in his footsteps. Um, I was the first person to, you know, get a CD burner, a DVD burner, and then I was selling those in school. Um, <laughs> later, uh, I went to actually go work for a AV store and sold uh, televisions, um, and then sold plasma televisions as they kind of evolved. Uh, cameras, film cameras, uh, digital cameras came out and, and started selling those. Um, so it was always kind of a tech and AV um uh, aficionado let's call it um went to college at Rutgers University to get my computer science degree uh and joined a startup company um which was effectively getting into the data center space data centers were big secrets back then they were you know buildings with no windows fenced in you know sometimes you could see them from the street and oftentimes you could not uh, there was no logos and um it was just a very uh, I guess, uh, immature market at the time. Um, so we were trying to, at this startup company, we were trying to effect- uh, effectively uh, find all of these secret data centers, geoplot them on a map, uh, find all the fiber routes, all the glass in the ground, all the carriers, um, and just build a, a, a giant proprietary map that we could later use uh, for our own consulting reasons with um, some, of the, some of the large customers that we were working with. Well, we actually made a mistake and spelt the word co-location with one L instead of two L's, and our website just took off and uh, we found ourselves in the middle of a data center booming frenzy Um, we grew the company from about five people to 26 people Uh, it was just an amazing time it was a massive education and from there i got to really cherry pick the data center providers uh, that uh, were the best and work with those and then subsequently i got to cherry pick who i wanted to go work for um, and so I've kind of uh, gone from uh, the consulting angle, which is effectively where I met, uh, actually, believe it or not, e-talent venue. Um, we did a deal when the Super Bowl was in um, Louisiana, uh, and I was working with uh, your firm. So I think that's the first time I met uh, Andy. 
Um, but anyway, so then I kind of jumped into the data center space to get real hands-on experience, um, which was amazing. I went to a data center provider that not only offered data center services, but also uh, had a division of the company that uh, manufactured the components and put them together uh, to build the data center. So I got um, construction and uh, you know supply chain, let's call it uh, experience. I got data center experience, sales experience, uh, and it was just uh, just an amazing journey. Um, uh, later on, that data center uh, company sold for billions of dollars, and um, to a larger entity, obviously that was about twenty four thousand people. And uh, I just kind of got lost in the numbers, lost in the mix, and that just wasn't for me. And um, so Databank, I saw uh, kind of following in those footsteps, very, uh, wasn't very young, but it was definitely small, a much smaller, about a 300-person shop, much leaner, much meaner. And that's where I wanted to be. I wanted to be at a data center provider uh, that could, um, you could call the CEO and he would pick up the phone and figure out a way to, you know, solve a problem. You could call the CFO and take a lesson from him. Um, you know, it was, it, it was a perfect fit. Um, I had done some supercomputing projects, liquid-cooled supercomputing projects at the prior data center. Um, in Atlanta, Databank had a liquid-cooled supercompute project with uh, Georgia Tech. Um, and so that's kind of how I wound up here. It was to Databank uh, build a brand-new data center from a ground up in the middle of uh, midtown Atlanta with our anchor tenant, Georgia Tech, to uh, build out a, a purpose-built uh, high-performance computing center um, right in Tech Square. Wow. That's amazing, yeah. I think that's, a lot of us... That's very cool. Yeah, I think a lot of us actually get into came, came into the data center world because of the love of either computers or IT. Um, so I kind of fell, fell in the same footsteps. I mean, um, my dad what didn't work in technology, but he used some of the early computers in the 80s, and then I just would, would steal them away from him and play with them. So, Yeah. <laughs> Good stuff. You know, you know what's sad though, and I and I tell people this is, you know, I have a computer science degree, but it's from so long ago that at one point I was technical. Right now, I consider myself not that technical at the computer programming level and the application level, um, because I spent so much of my time and education and professional experience in the infrastructure space. So, you know, the layers of the OSI model probably, you know, I'm layer three, four, and up or down, let's call it, right? And um, not at the application layer anymore. So I do miss, you know, getting into coding and programming. It's another language. If you don't use it, you lose it. But uh, I think the, the space that you and I and everybody on this uh, podcast are on is a fascinating, uh, ever evolution, ever evolving space to be in as well. Uh, if you, you know, just rewind you know, 10, 20 years ago, right? I mean, my cell phone that I'm holding right now has the capabilities to do everything that uh, a heavy-duty computer was able to do 10 years ago or five years ago. It's just, I mean, it's have a 4K phone, you know? Yeah, <laughs> right. that's crazy. Eight gigs of RAM. Yeah. He, so, you know, he, was, he used to be a tech, you know, three years ago when he was 24. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but now, you know, three years later, he's massively passing him past. Yeah. <laughs> I wish. So, Brandon, tell us a little bit about, um, you know, that, that is a great kind of history of, of where you came from and, and, and your, your, how you got into DataBank. Can, can you touch on a little bit about what the, kind of the DataBank solutions, what are some of your main, main solutions that you provide to customers, maybe a little bit about some of the locations? Because that's actually important to us as we start, you know, in the next, you know, we start moving and discussing or continuing to discuss the, the, the meaning of edge data centers, which is, is going to be interesting. So if you wouldn't mind, just tell us a little bit about your solutions that you provide at DataBank and some of the locations of your data centers. For sure. Um, so part of my journey was to pick the right providers that uh, offered me longevity. And I thought that just traditional data centers uh, uh, was not enough, right? Just to be a landlord and have the landlord-tenant kind of offer um, to me would be 
underutilizing what I've spent so much time studying, which is, you know, IT itself, hardware, software, cybersecurity, disaster recovery, um, and DataBank offered just that. So DataBank um, was founded in 2005 in Dallas, right around the corner from uh, uh, you. Uh, Kind of, right? Um, and uh, they grew from just one data center doing cross connections in downtown Dallas to three data centers in Dallas uh, to a uh, really good managed service provider. And then they evolved into a infrastructure as a service, platform as a service, disaster recovery as a service, and cybersecurity as a service company. So they, offer, they, they, they offered the whole gamut of practically everything a customer is looking for, practically everything a small to medium business would need. Um, and so that was a really attractive thing for me. Um, you know, so it was founded in 2005 through different, um, kind of call it uh, changes of uh, equity hands. Um, we finally landed at, uh, the home of colony capital and, uh, uh digital colony, um, and they are a uh, venture capitalist firm, let's call it private equity, that um, isn't like traditional banks, right? So if you if you go to a, a company that it has, uh, you know, is, it, their investments are from uh, the big the big big banks, right? Eventually, those big big banks want their money back in you know four, five, six, seven years, and that's when you see the logo on the door change. Um, and I and I wanted to work somewhere. I mean, for example, you know, my father worked at, at his companies back in the day, for for years, if not decades, right? People, you, you hear about people working at AT and T or MCI um, for forever. Um, and I didn't want to jump around. So the way that data bank is structured through uh, Digital Colony and Colony Capital is that they're building a portfolio, a conglomerate of technology companies, and their their kind of vision is to capture everything from the uh, cell phone or the laptop or whatever device you're using, capture that as soon as it's sent into the airways or down fiber optics, they wanna capture those data packets and they wanna own it from the transmission, from the capture to the transmission, to the data center, to the processing at the chip, and back out. So if you look at Digital Colony's portfolio, you're going to see cell tower companies, small cell companies, uh, fiber optic companies, right? They own Zayo. Um, you're going to see data center companies. That's the real estate. And then you're going to see data center and chip, which is cloud companies like Databank. So we're the chip part of that entire kind of vision that they have. So. Um, I thought that was just a really cool thing. And I, I think that it's worth mentioning to answer your question, because when you're mentioning edge, that's really where digital colony and colony capital are going and, uh, or, or what they're targeting. Uh, and data bank is that, uh, foundation, um, as such data bank has 64 data centers across the globe and across the United States, we didn't go after i mean we we did wind up in big markets like dallas and atlanta and ashburn uh but those were through you know various acquisitions or a customer wanted us to be there but we were really an edge data center um, we've got data centers where there's not a lot of populace of competition uh, we've got facilities in salt lake city we've got facilities in cleveland kansas city minneapolis um, baltimore indianapolis and so we are trying to locate our facilities in tough to reach areas on a, some may even say underserved areas and bring the full suite of services, not just co-location, but infrastructure as a service, platform as a service, cybersecurity, the whole thing, right? Yeah. Um, and that is why your firm venue was such a good partner for us because you follow that exact kind of mantra. Well, um, yeah. and actually a lot of things you said early on in that conversation about how you got to where you are, what you're doing, uh, it really kind of uh, parallels us, right? I mean, at, at a little bit smaller level, but um, we're the same thing. We've always thought of ourselves as the edge data center, and we've always thought of ourselves as a company that was more than just the brick and mortar. We're also offering the infrastructure as a service type products with full management around them. You know, we're not quite at 
64 data centers today, but yeah. um, it's the same kind of process. And actually, like what you were saying about coming to the data center and looking for a place to be and live, it's the same reason I know Will and I myself particularly are here. I, I can remember coming here in 2006, and I said to the management at the time, you know, what I want to do is I want to work in an office. I don't want to go out and be a consultant. I've done that. It's tiring. I want to come to an office every day where I have a team I can rely on and I can build a product. And so I, I feel like we, this is great parallel yeah. symbiotic relations to be starting. I, I remember when we first started looking at, at data bank and we first started a relationship. Um, I think I, I, we had some calls with, with Brandon and I think also we yeah. looked at the website and I was like, man, these guys do exactly what we do. <laughs> this is going to be interesting. And, and really, really and really exact hardware. I think Will and I were talking yep. to you one time and you're like, this is what we're using on our back end. And we're like, yes, yeah, so are we? <laughs> yeah. And, and honestly, you know, a lot of times our customers, and, and I think it's a good, I, I know it's a good fit with with how we're leveraging um, and starting to really look at you know the edge data center right is because um, we have a lot of customers that are in the Louisiana area that are in internal here to our data centers and a lot of times customers will come up and ask hey you know what if we need to be outside of Louisiana for geographic diversity uh, maybe run the primary data center in Baton Rouge but needs to have DR or another leg of their data center outside of outside of their um, Louisiana topology. And that's where I think DataBank really is serving a, a great value to, to venue and our customers. Let's talk a little bit about Edge, because I know we've thrown around this term a little bit um, this, this morning, we've, we've, or this afternoon, rather. We've talked a little bit about um, this on the previous podcast, but let's just kind of uh, recap. When we talk about Edge Data Center, you know, what does that mean to, to everyone here, right? For me, um, it's more like, you know, we have a, a data center in one location and then customers that are in, you know, maybe a closer proximity to that data center will have high-speed connection to, to that data center, but then we want to be able to branch out into other geographic locations, right? So quick connection from the brick and mortar to our facility, and then we want to have uh, network and spider out into other either uh, data centers that are in our framework or even public cloud. Yeah, yeah. Well, I agree with you. I mean, it could be so no matter who your internet provider is, you're only going to have one or two hops from your date from your brick and mortar to us or to the to the edge data center, and then from there you're going to have high speed connectivity to wherever you need to go next. It could be to another data center outside of our building. It could be to one of the larger clouds out there, the public clouds that we all know and can name. But it, it's a quick connection from there because of the proximity physically and the the latency from your building to the edge data center can be minimalized and then from there you have the whole world open to you yeah edge is becoming one of those topics it, it's still fuzzy even though it's been around a little while like cloud was and people still kind of struggle with cloud today in terms of depending on how familiar they are with the topic you know and, and brandon you kind of you, you're in the space and with a much larger uh, data center group than than venue, but my take on it always always is how do we get data closer to the end users? How what is the best way to do that, and where should that data be located so that it's in as close proximity to the end user, whether that be a person on their cell phone and or someone in a business, as possible. <laughs> And that's kind of when we started talking to you guys, it, it opened up so many doors uh, for customers in the Southeast, which is where we've been primarily focused, how we can how we can leverage the, the network and ecosystem we're, we're building with you guys to uh, deliver those services to, uh, to customers. Current customers are those that prospects that are in our region um, in cities that you guys are already landed in. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the idea, right, is, um, you know, uh, Louisiana and Texas are obviously very close. Um, and so you can have applications talk very quickly um, between the two. Um, and, and you're going to need that for very specific applications today. But I think the idea and maybe the theory is we don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. We've seen the acceleration of technology in the past seven to 10 years. Um, you know, we've all, all of us have lived through the cell phone 
and then it was text messages and then mp3s and that uh, you know the mp3 player kind of merged with the cell phone uh, and that started pushing the data set, uh, the, the data needs and the transmission speeds and then video caught up to sound and we went from four by three to 16 by nine in the home and we needed to get that to the home and then video to the phone and now fast forward to today you can watch 4k video on your phone at 60 frames per second and so that streaming capability um you know was just unheard of to have any of that kind of definition was unheard of in a very short period of time so um like you were saying eric you need to get the processing as close to the the end user as physically possible you've got microsoft azure you've got amazon web services and they've got gigantic cloud nodes and they're great at what they do but they're in you know uh, the East Coast in one specific location, and they're on the West Coast in two specific locations. Well, what about the end user in Kansas City? What about the end user in Cleveland? You know, uh, the folks in middle America who sit right in between, well, now they're experiencing 20 plus milliseconds of latency. Um, and, and for many applications, that spinning glass, uh, hourglass is just not uh, acceptable. Um, with yeah, anything a- transactional, you, you, you know, that's going to die. Yeah, 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 exactly. And and not only that, but uh, there's a lot of high-performance applications in Edge that we get to see every single day that everybody doesn't. So I go to you know all these different expos and panels and podcasts, and every time somebody talks about um, Edge Compute, they don't have any examples other than driverless cars, <laughs> right? <laughs> And that's the only one they know, and it's a great example. That's why, but they they clearly haven't done a deal in the edge. Um, we we do deals in the edge all the time, and I can t- I can list off reasons why uh, the big cloud providers and these faraway nodes uh, don't work. Um, VDI, for example, virtual desktop. Um, if you're a uh, architectural firm um, and you uh, need extreme GPU power because you're doing Visios and CAD file drawings and all these different things on your computer, if you're moving the mouse and it's got to go over a big fat network and process somewhere else and then get sent back to you and it, you're tracking the mouse and you're tracking an object, well, it's not very it's not very good unless the data center is right around the corner from you. Yeah. You're not going over the public internet. You've got your own private pipe. Um, so there's a lot of actual enterprise businesses uh, or business to be had at the edge today. Well, even, even farther to that, G, to that you know, desktop environment you're talking about we don't know what's coming in the future but we know that your laptop as you know it today probably won't be it i mean like you said earlier the phone can already outperform many of the workstations that we had five eight years ago so we know this whole cloud computing is coming as we uh, and and so so bringing all of these services and all of these uh uh virtual desktop applications to light and to to actual usability means it has to be close enough to the end user for them to be able to function in that environment like they would at their home desktop. Yeah, and it's actually, you know, talking about, you know, network connectivity and broadband and just being on your mobile device, which I think we're, we continue to see shifts from people, you know, using their laptop for their, their corporate applications to using mobile, right? And the other day, I was I was actually in my dentist office, and I pulled out my phone because I saw my phone had a 5G connection. I was like, let me run speed test and launched it up, and I was getting 250 megabits up and down uh, over 5G. Uh, and it's probably not five, you know, a full implementation of 5G uh, sitting there on my phone connected to just a broadband network, not actually on Wi-Fi. And I'm like, man, this is this is crazy these days that we can have this kind of bandwidth. And low latency, I mean, you know. Right, and if we can peer with that cell company and bring them straight into our data center and then uh, from there jump them to any other data center they need for either DR or for remote connectivity or any of their remote users as well, then the, 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 everything's just sped up right there. Exactly. Yeah. We've got a we've got a partner in Alpharetta, RestorePoint.ai, that is actually implementing LTE 
uh, as an actual network into the office or into the data center as a as a failover um, as re- as a redundant you know so if you're uh, a store you got a storefront and you've got you know Comcast cable that's given you problems in the past well now that they they bring in these these uh, appliances and um, uh, the 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 chip in it right what is this you know in your phone what is that the um, what's the chip in your the phone chip the SIM chip, right? Yeah. The SIM card. Yeah. And so they sell you the, the appliance, the SIM card, and they connect you to LTE. And they're finding that sometimes it's actually faster. <laughs> yeah. yeah. In certain well, areas. You're not, you're not, you got more, you actually have a bigger pipe because you don't have as many, uh, as much congestion with other clients along your line. So, That's right. yeah. So they're, they're making, yeah. they're, they're doing it, man. So, yeah, things are changing for sure. And oftentimes for some customers in rural areas, if they want, you know, um, some type of failover, LTE is their only, um, you know, solution there, right? Because they, they may only have one provider that can that can drop off, um, you know, fiber connectivity to them. So, you know, their their only resolution is, is LTE or, or, or microwave, which is, you know, typically pretty expensive. Yeah. yeah, it's amazing though. I've talked to I've talked to people here in Baton Rouge who um, either can't get you know high speed internet, and you know I talked to them like, hey, what do you do for internet then? And they go, well, we just use the broadband. We just sit in our house and we have uh, our phones, our laptops, all connected to broadband. You know, if the laptop's uh, Wi-Fi, it'll just connect to the phone and just pair that way. And that's how sometimes these people operate. And they actually get along quite fine. You know, no 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 problems. Yeah. yeah, what we see happening, I think you guys are, are um, all all singing from the same sheet of paper. The data that that is available to us today uh, is magnitudes, you know, hundreds of times more than we dealt with even a decade or two ago. And so the proliferation of that is is forcing new solutions to come to the table to be able to handle this data at different areas of the country because the network that we have is going to get saturated even though we're building 5G and 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 fiber continues to uh, grow across the country the data is outpacing it so how do we get ahead of it and get data like we were saying earlier as close to those end users as possible so it can be fast be reliable. Um, and secure, you know, uh, is another piece of the puzzle that, that I think uh, edge computing helps to to be able to um, to build security at those uh, nodes in the network, so that uh, we're able to better manage it from a cyber front as well. Yeah, and that's why I think the the relationship makes sense and it has worked because um, there's just an, uh, an abundance of, of data and data storage now, and uh, you know a lot of people are actually needing to and they're finding out that they need to recall it. So for data bank in Dallas, um, you know we do have customers. Uh, Brian and I were were working on on one together. Um, you know that are in Louisiana. It makes more sense for that data of our customers to be in Louisiana, closer to that company um, for the you know whether it's a restoration need or a recall need uh, or just an active active um, kind of usage. Um, you know that that is why. Uh, it, being that we are cut from the same cloth uh, all the way down to the application layer, right? We're running the same hardware, we're running the same hypervisors, we're running the same operating systems. Um, that makes the mobility of the data easier. And so you, Venue, give us a tool in our in our tool belt uh, to any customers that are hyper-local to Baton Rouge, Shreveport, Louisiana, right? And that just makes more sense as a... Uh, you know, as a as a partnership, mm-hmm. uh, because that makes us both uh, one a better uh, service provider to the customer. Period, and that's first and foremost. But two, it makes us more competitive in general um, uh, against the big giants uh, in the industry. And you know, quite frankly, some customers don't want to work with the big giants because they don't get the help that they're going to get, the IT tech help that they're going to get with us. Um, you know, DIY, figure it out yourself on the forums. 
uh, doesn't really work for the small to medium and large, uh, small to medium business. Yeah, that's a great point. Yeah. I, and I think you know us being uh, smaller, uh, more nimble. You know, it, but quite honestly, I found DataBank to be very nimble and agile in working with us. You're right when we went out looking for partners in this space, DataBank really rose to the top quickly, um, just because of they, the way that they interacted with us, how flexible they were. The, their their speed to kind of um, bring the partnership to life, uh, you know, met with with your CEO Raul there in in Dallas and got to tour the data centers, which are amazing facilities, and they it always they always embraced it as large as uh, Data Bank is. They they saw us as a true, you know, asset to be able to work with them and and, and wanted to really make it um, uh, something special between the two groups. And we always appreciated that because, I mean, we're, we're trying to be selective in who we go to market with and, and the consistency that we have in the infrastructure, like you mentioned, Brandon, between virtualization down to the hardware. I mean, it just makes so much sense. Uh, and and um, we're really looking forward to continuing this journey with you guys. Yeah. And I, I think I think that's something that Will and I liked as well when we first started to them, talking with them. You know, we, we felt that relationship the similar relationship that they have with their own staff and with their own products that Will and I have with our products. You know, we 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 built and designed and rolled out all this stuff and 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 cared and fed it and and put it to sleep when it was time to put it to sleep. We did we did all that ourselves and and Brandon and his team has done the same thing. So it was kind of that it was a nice match that we when we I can remember talking to them and I got off the phone with with Will and I'm like this is really nice man they're they're just like us. Yeah, we share they're, a lot of the same pedigrees. And and, uh, and and you know synergies with the the applications and the solutions that we provide. So it makes it very easy for Venue to work with DataBank because we talk the same language, right? Whether and Brandon and Brandon said something that we key all key in on it. It's really about the client, right? Yeah. Everything we do yeah. is for the client. I mean, we don't we don't have jobs without the clients, right? And so everything we do is to make the clients' jobs and their lives better, right? And, and Brandon and his team are exactly like that. Yep. Yeah, and I really, I'll certainly echo that. I mean, Brandon, you know, to, to Noah's point, a couple of weeks ago, uh, calling us like, hey, I think uh, we're going to be in Dallas next week and uh, might need to tour a couple data centers downtown in Plano. Any chance you could be in town? And, you know, within 20 minutes, Brandon already had his ticket booked and had it set up. So, um, you and know, my antibodies so ready. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, yeah. I'm Those little details like that, if he's going to do that for us, I mean, that's the exact you know, same experience that we provide to our clients. So we had a great day, and it was great just to see the evolution of the downtown Dallas facility, um, kind of where things started, to the brand spanking new facility in Plano, which if anyone hasn't seen that facility, they need to get out there and check it out. It is definitely something to be proud of and um, very cool. So yeah, appreciate sure. you putting that together. Yeah, and I think that uh, kind of to, to j jump on that message, um, I, I just had a meeting today. I dropped this. I mean, I, I'm a I'm a sponge. I listen to people that are better than me. I learn what they say, and then I kind of rebrand it and just repeat. So I, uh, I'm a I'm a product of a lot of smart people that I've run into in my time. And so I'm really lucky. But uh, what I was going to say is that, you know, with um, everything that's kind of transpired in our industry, so many companies have gotten so big, uh, whether it's publicly traded or they're just, you know, big and cumbersome, uh, that uh, the end user is finding it very difficult to work with the giant companies. And I came from a giant company and I understood that and that, that was a problem and I was losing my relationships with my customers. Um, so, you know, these big companies, the big clouds, the D, you know, the, it, the, you're losing the personal face-to-face -face, uh, aspect of it. And if you're a small to medium to even large company, a lot of these IT managers, directors, VPs, CTIOs, CIOs, uh, they're starting to, that pendulum swung one direction and they're starting to swing back in the yeah. direction of, hey, this broke last year. Hey, I was hacked this year. I had a ransomware attack this year, this, that, and the other thing, right? My network went down. I couldn't get a hold of somebody. My blah, 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 right? Uh, my data center or my cloud is, you know, I got to go on forums to figure it out. Um, a lot of people in Atlanta 
particularly just from what I'm experiencing, want to meet face to face, look people in the eyes again, get to know who's in charge of their data, in charge of their network, in charge of their cybersecurity. They want a cell phone number, right? Um, I mean, the person I was talking to today was happy that she was able to literally know the guys in operations. And I mean, if anybody from databank listens to this, they're not going to like it. So, uh, you know, please excuse me. I apologize ahead of time. But she was calling them on their cell phone and not putting in trouble tickets. <laughs> we, we've I mean, heard that before. Great. I mean, that's so good to hear. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. We no. have the same clients. You know, yeah. we have the same clients. And I you know what? that's becoming a thing again. I think that was once lost and forgotten. And that's now becoming, you know, back to being important to somebody. And you got to be a lean shop and a receptive shop. I, I still get phone calls from clients that I supported in 2006, and I almost always tell them, "Yeah, hold on, I'm gonna start working on this." But in the meantime, could you put a ticket in oh, for yeah. me? I still get <laughs> I still get text messages on my phone. It's like, "Hey, Will, can you give me a? Uh, I need to talk to you about my server for a few minutes. Can you give me a call?" I'm like, "Okay, who is this new phone? Who this? You know?" And, like, and they go, "Oh, this is so and so from from whatever company." I'm like, "Oh." Okay, yeah, I'll help you, but you might put in a support request and and you know go go through the channels. But I will definitely help you. And and even like even today, Michael and I did a phone call with one of our clients. They have they're they're using one of our products, and it's it's working fine for them. But they decided to do something odd with it a couple of weeks ago, and they struggled with it. And we helped them out. We got them running and got them everything working for them and then the guy just reached out to michael and says is there any way that i could talk through this because i don't understand some of the recommendations that came out of the problems we had and so their cto guy got on the phone with michael and i and we talked for an hour and literally at the very end of the conversation he's like well really i really appreciate y'all's time i really appreciate your effort took a lot of notes here that i need to go talk about because i need to figure out if this is the right plan for me or should i be going this other route because we talked about three or four different options but it was just something we did because we want that client to be successful with our product and if that person at the end, he was so thankful. I mean, Michael Michael orchestrated the whole thing, and it, it was it was it was a wonderful conversation. That's yeah. what we do. Yeah, yeah. You're gonna see, um, for example, uh, and again, this is all my opinion, but it, it seems to me like maybe even coming out of coronavirus, I don't know, but a lot of people are going down the entrepreneurial route. They want to, you know, start their own firm and, uh, it's either, you know, app development, start their own application or, uh, you know, there's just so much digital work to be done. And, uh, you know, I sit in the heartbeat, literally the, the epicenter of Georgia tech, uh, and there's just all these start, there's incubators all around us and all these startups and, uh, they, they come to a company like us to get everything started. So it's made a lot easier, a company like us or venue, right? So I think you're going to see an older generation phase out. And as this newer generation comes in, uh, with all these, uh, kind of innovative ideas of where technology is going to go. Um, they're going to need the handholding because these are all application people coming out of Georgia Tech, right? These are uh, the, the brilliant minds. Uh, they're not uh, really worried about standing up VMware and, and patching it to the latest firmware and making sure that that doesn't go down. They're looking at, you know, or Windows or Linux, right? If you look at how many security patches come out every single day, um, of itself and it's tedious and they don't want to be doing that they want to be doing what they're excited about um and amazon and microsoft and the other big clouds are very expensive and uh you know and and that just is it's not the first i mean you do a lot of development in 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 azure don't get me wrong and that's what they're geared for but um you know when when you're trying to build a company and that's too expensive you kind of lean on a venue or a data bank to be your outsourced IT, right? To make sure that everything is just up and running and you don't have to worry about the ridiculous stuff. If a hard drive fails, you don't have to worry about that, right? If you have, if you have to do a patch, you don't have to worry about that. Even tagging on to that, you know, I, I, I know people that do this for a living where their entire job is to, to support the infrastructure of a service piece of Azure. 
right? So not only is what you're saying is they don't want to worry about that, but the, but they actually have to still pay someone to worry about that. Mm-hmm. Someone's still got to roll out the VM. Someone's got to roll out the firewall rules because Azure doesn't do that for you. They just say, right. here's this stuff, right? right? Contact uh, databank contact venue hey our engineers will be happy to roll this out for you can you give us a little bit of parameters we'll get this all set up for you we'll hand it over we'll get, give you a demo what you need to do all right there and by the way in six months if you don't understand the stuff calls back that's right my name my name is eric maltesta hit me up on the phone right or chad <laughs> Sweeter, or michael Faisley, or any one of the other guys right yep yep all right guys Great. well uh this has been fantastic discussion um, this, you know, I, I think, I think this is definitely gives us a lot of runway to, you know, expand the partnership and look at, you know, services and, and, and things that we can bring to our customers through this partnership. So it's definitely been an interesting, interesting collaboration with, with you guys over at databank. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We're, we're excited. Um, you know, we, we've got, uh, we've got a lot to, to sell, um, which is always a good thing, um, but it's also a lot to learn. And so all of these different discussions with uh, yourselves and uh, others and these collaborations, it's just, uh, it's really invaluable to me. So so thank you for having me. And, uh, yeah, Brandon, before yeah. we wrap up. I uh, I'm not leaving. Oh, good. <laughs> I'm not going anywhere. We, we want you to stay. The, um, you know, kind of a, a, a topic we did want to talk about a little bit was the weather. You know, and not in the cliche sense. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, I think talk, last man. last month, uh, you, you know, some people near in the Dallas area, Brian, our own Brian Ormsby, was in in the middle of it. Uh, suffered from the winter storm that came through there, and uh, we we got a little taste of that here right. in Louisiana as well. And we were um, we were talking. You know, since then, about some of the struggles uh, that that is apparent on national news about some of the folks in D- Dallas with uh, power outages and things like that. And um, you know, I think w- we're starting to realize there's there's truly some synergy that we could bring to light between the partnership here uh, with DataBank and and uh, Venue. So, kind of wanted to talk about that a little bit, and, and certainly um, not not conclude this conversation without uh, kind of discussing that topic a little bit and how that could be beneficial to customers in both the Southeast and the, uh, the Texas area. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a great point. Um, uh, I, it's uh, what's the saying? You're in the wrong place at the right time or we're in the right place at the wrong time. But uh, it, it seems that with every natural disaster um, data centers Cloud providers, network providers, um, even cybersecurity providers all get the attention of the appropriate people at these companies uh, because they're saying, whoa, that was a close call or oops, that happened to us. Um, so it's uh, unfortunately our business in some time, in most times, uh, is a reactionary uh, move from buyers uh, and uh, it's only those uh, proactive buyers that are kind of ahead of the curve and, and doing the right things uh, and establishing a good disaster recovery plan, business continuity plan, as well as a restoration plan. So when you look at what happened to Dallas, um, when it f- uh, effectively froze, right, um, they just never saw that coming. And the interesting part about that is that Dallas, um, you know, during its its kind of come up in the United States, wanted to completely be separated from the rest of the United States in various different ways. And one of those ways was on the infrastructure side, the power infrastructure side. They wanted to have their own power and and be you know not rely rely on the the larger grids and the uh, larger you know transmission uh, uh, ecosystems. So they built their own power grid, and which was which is amazing in and of itself number one number two it's a great uh play for redundancy uh in the data center space but then again it it showed whoa what what just happened here um you know i hope if you were in dallas you were in a really good data center and if you weren't and you were operating out of your office i hope you're in you know replicating and doing your dr to some place like louisiana that's very close by and on a separate power grid 
So you and I, Noah, we kind of found out, wow, this is a really good kind of selling piece. It's an unfortunate selling piece, but it's a good selling piece uh, to companies in either region, right? We are very close in proximity uh, to one another, um, which is very um, uh, convenient. Yeah, very convenient, <laughs> but also crucial to some applications on a latency layer. On a latency level, yeah, yeah. Agreed. right. So you can do some really cool active-active between our facility and your facility on, let's say, a platform like Zerto um, and really button up your applications, uh, button up your disaster recovery plan uh, and also your restoration plan. And if you want, you can go, you know, complete active-active to flawless, uh, you know, on on, uh, uptime. So I think – yeah, what happened in Dallas, what happened in Texas was a big scare. None of our facilities uh, even took a blip. I mean, I think we had transient voltage blips here and there, uh, which the UPS shouldered. Um, we went to generator in Fort, uh, excuse me, in Plano, um, you, you know, ahead of time for the shutdowns and and, and right. turnovers. Um, so we were fine, but uh, you know, I think we got phone call. Obviously, we got phone calls um, from folks that uh, were obviously and unfortunately affected by at their offices, at their homes, and they needed continuity. So Louisiana is, you know, right over that state line and has its own completely different architect uh, infrastructure uh, by the ways of power. Uh, so it's a perfect marriage between, um, in a in a in a digital sense, it's a perfect marriage between us. And I think I, you know, you and I were saying this, or might have been Brian and I. Um, the old government, you know, the government is typically, you know, was always trying to be 20 years ahead of uh, the uh, rest of the world in technology, and so they we, we always kind of mirror and followed uh, their standards that they would they would uh, you know roll out, and uh, it was you know first if you're if you have a primary location, your secondary redundant failover, whatever you want to call it, needs to be 50 miles away. Then it was 60 miles away. Uh, and then they started saying different power grids. So, yeah. I mean, you can now be from Dallas to Shreveport. It doesn't matter the distance. You're on a different power grid, man. I mean, that is yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Now, obviously, a natural disaster of that kind of magnitude might make you worried. But if you're doing CAD files, you know, you're an architectural firm. If you're doing virtual desktop, uh, our two locations are absolutely perfect. So if you're a architecture company, uh, a design company, or a company that's in medical, you know, healthcare, and you need to lock up your end users' devices through VDI, uh, I mean, it doesn't get any better than than Dallas. Period. Right. Yep. Yeah, I think to that, it's, it's kind of like the, the this event, again, highlights we're in this decade of unprecedented events. It continues to come up, and we don't know what's around the corner. You know, he, he, the winter storm last month and prior to that, it was another natural event or the pandemic. And it kind of got the list goes on and will continue to go on. The, the, the agility yet unified front that I think we're trying to build for uh, potential businesses is to for them to be able to handle the unexpected uh, and and I think you know the more closely we work together we'll continue to find these opportunities uh, to bring even more robust data center services to the customers in our region and yours yeah I like what you're saying I mean everything everything you said basically tells me two things uh, between the two of us we can guarantee a lot of uptime with very low latency yeah Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I, sh- I should have just said that. Eric just cut <laughs> to the chase right there. Let's, let's <laughs> there you go. <laughs> let's start this podcast over. You no. dropped the mic right there. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> Well, awesome. we definitely we definitely enjoy have enjoyed this conversation, uh, Brandon. Uh, everyone else on the podcast, I think this is really good. Um, you can definitely we'll, we'll be able to um, have this podcast out later today, if not tomorrow morning, and uh, I'll we'll definitely post the links to uh, both our data centers. So if you'd like to take a closer look at DataBank and as well as Venue, those will be in the show notes. So we definitely appreciate. Um, the time and appreciate Brandon for, for, for joining us on the podcast today. 
Thank you very much, Brandon. Yeah, thanks, Brandon. Thanks, Brandon. Yeah, Absolutely. anytime. Please, uh, please have me back. I, 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 this is a lot of fun. Um, you know, it's it's always good, obviously, to get our names and our logos out there, but it's good to just uh, have like a just a brainstorming session with these with these things because something something new comes up every time. So uh, if if you ever have a vacant spot, please please let me know, man. As, I, I want to put this microphone to use. As long as you as long as you can bring barbecue, we're good. <laughs> Uh, I, I can't, I can eat it. If you want to do video next time, I can eat some. <laughs> I want to be chewing in your ear. <laughs> well, thanks, Brandon. And, um, you know, some, some of the upcoming podcasts, we're, you know, as we said last time on, on our, on our last podcast, um, Eric and, and Michael and myself have gotten into a regular cadence of getting these things out at least once a month. Uh, some of the upcoming podcasts that we'll tease you with, uh, Veeam 11 has just launched, and that's out in the world right now. So we're probably going to do um, either at least one, maybe even a series of, of podcasts related to the Veeam 11 launch. And then also um, we may uh, squeeze Michael a little bit more to talk about the Forta EDR <laughs> and the endpoint protection product that we've, we've launched um, and what we're doing to leverage that with our customers. Yeah, um, super excited for that one. Yeah, we've also launched a uh, – I know a lot of people have been playing around with Clubhouse, which is a new uh, app. Uh, it's still in invite only, but uh, we've launched a Louisiana Technology Pros for Professionals um, Club, and uh, we will be hosting some uh, Clubhouse discussions in the near future uh, under that club. So if you're interested, please go ahead and, um, and look for Louisiana Technology Pros. I'll also post it on my Twitter and uh, we'll start doing those, and we invite anyone to come. If you don't have an invite, send us a message, and we'll get you. We'll get you one. Um, hey, Will, I want to yeah. put in one more plug for our webinar. The venue is going to be hosting. Oh on the yeah, 30th. yeah, yeah. Please do, Brian. Absolutely. Yeah. So um, just uh, we'll go ahead and post a link to that in the show notes as well, and then uh, look for that uh, webinar on the thirtieth with uh, Noah Boudreaux. Fantastic. Fan what is the topic of the webinar? Technology leadership in the future of work. Fantastic! I like it. This will be a lot of fun. We cre we created a monster with that Nilla guy. He keeps wanting to, shit up. <laughs> keeps wanting to talk and talk thing. and talk. No, we've actually, we've actually got a, a, a very cool uh, guest, Adrian Owen Jones, who's joining us. She's um, she she does a lot of work for the LSU Foundation, and she's coming in um, to really share her thoughts on the topic. Really really excited about it. Awesome. Excellent. Well, you can always find us on the iTunes podcast store. We're also available on TuneIn, Stitcher Radio. Uh, Spotify will be coming soon, so you'll be able to find us on Spotify podcasts. As always, if you, we'd love to hear from our listeners. So if you'd like to email us at podcast at venue.com, we'd love to, um, to have your questions and comments. Uh, those go out. That, that email address forwards to um, Eric, Michael, and myself, and we, we, we uh, would love to hear back from you. Also, check us out on the web at www.venue.com slash podcast if you would just like to directly download and listen. So thanks, everyone. This concludes today's podcast, and we'll check you on the next one. Thanks, everyone. Take care.